0: Hey Gateway family, would you like to dive deeper into the Hope in Empty Places journey with Pastor Charlie? Visit hopeinemptyplaces.com for blog posts, hope stories, a prayer wall, and there's even a handbook. You can also find the ebook on Amazon and the audio version on audible.com. All of these resources for discovering and remembering the light of Christ in dark times can be found at HopeInEmptyPlaces.com. You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at GatewayFranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. Wearing dust literally means then to sit in God's Word, And to follow Jesus' ways. Um, When I ended the preaching series um, on rock solid, I I ended on um, habit stacking, how to help us habit stack uh, the word of God in our life. How, how How do we habit stack our encounter with the word? The first I talked to you about was personal connection. We'd underst- you'd understand that maybe if you're a follower of Christ as dev- our devotion time. How do we then spend time with God alone in the word is the first way in which to get that dust from the word on us uh, and build a foundation for that. The second was group interaction, um, how we learn in groups. Um, that's how I got to, um, that's how I'm getting to know more and more of Matt's story was in a, in a small group. But, uh, the men's groups were called 347, three guys for seven weeks. It's real simple. Uh, all the instructions fit on one sheet of paper. It's perfect for men. Uh, and the third way that we encounter the word is through congregational worship, what we're doing here now. It's interesting, you know, I like to get out in the parking lot and talk to folks. And, and someone telling me this week, he says, I, I said, I don't understand it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me cognitively how being in that room on a Sunday changes me. I, he said, I can't do the math. I can just tell you, every time I'm in that room on a Sunday, something changes. This is how we encounter the word. Um, I could have used titles like uploading Jesus DNA, um, developing a Jesus culture. <laughs> um, but those, those things seem to imply, or they do imply, much more of an effort side on us. And, and don't get me wrong, becoming a disciple of Jesus takes determination and effort. It's, it's not that it just happens, right? So I'm not saying that. But to wear the dust of Jesus feels much more natural to me, right? It's, it's, it's me putting myself in position and allowing who he is to change me is a lot different than me trying to change myself. Because if anybody has tried that, it's a real hit and miss game, isn't it? About just trying to, by sheer determination, change something about us. Right? Especially if it's something that's been really ingrained in us. But when we allow the dust, the words and the ways of Jesus to settle on us, and they permeate us, see, that's a natural process. That's me being in proximity to. And then the Holy Spirit empowering my actions and my choices and my decisions, that change me. And that's why wearing dust was a, was a much better hit for me. Um, the women, there, are, or at least there's some women in a women's Bible study on Wednesday mornings that my wife leads, going through the book of Jude through a teacher by the name of Jackie Hill Perry. And Jackie Hill Perry, her, her testimony, and I'll, I'll butcher it at some level, but Jackie Hill Perry testifies of having, of growing up with the same-sex attraction. And she still had an attraction to Jesus. And she didn't understand, in her words... She she knew knew what the word said, but the traction was still there. And this this went on with her into her 20s until, these are her words, she said that she realized she didn't have a same-sex attraction problem. She had a sin problem. These are her words. She says, I kept wanting Jesus to change me in that lifestyle what I realized was I had to surrender myself to him. And then he transforms me. That's staggering. To say, I didn't have a same-sex attraction problem. I had a sin problem. I did not submit and surrender myself to the person I knew who loved me. And then when I submitted myself to the one who loved me, then he walked me out of that and she's married now the family and the like she's probably in her late 30s or early 40s I don't I don't know but I will tell you this um, there are very few people and I'm not being a snob I'm just saying there's very few people that I drive cross town to to hear speak and I would I would go anywhere to hear Jackie Hill Perry open, open the word so what a powerful testimony so wearing the dust of Jesus is an intentional decision right because we've got to put ourselves in in the proximity of the dust all right and then but then it be, it's a natural process it's a natural process because it's the dust and the spirit that changes me and it transforms my path and I hope you'll prepare yourself to wear some dust over these next four weeks before I introduce the dust of Jesus I have to make the connection that to wear the dust of Jesus is actually in fact to wear the dust of God it's wear the dust of God these aren't two separate people here Um, one of the most fascinating parts of the Gospels to me is John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 because there's the weight to these words because these are the words that Jesus shares before he would be um, crucified, okay? So they carry some more weight just, just in fact to the timing of those, right? And so in John 14... Jesus is is trying to do, he's downloading some things to the disciples. They obviously, they know something is not right. Something, something is off. They're, they're, they're feeling anxious. And so this is how it starts, John 14. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the work themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. For the disciples to continue what Jesus started, they had to be connected to the Father, and he was communicating this to them. Wearing the dust of Jesus is is not just transformative, it is purpose-defining, because that's what he's doing with them now. He's defining their purpose of how they were going to carry on what he started. All right, so here's the first wave of dust I wanna talk about, love and faithfulness, the love and faithfulness of God. So in Exodus chapter three is the first time that God begins, or first time God describes himself to his people, okay? So it's when Moses is on the backside of the desert Uh, He has been now on the backside of the desert, in a sense, for 40 years, all right? Goes 40 years up in the kingdom, in the Pharaoh's Pharaoh's house, spends 40 years in exile. This is at the end of those 40 years. The bush, he sees a bush. The bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. God calls him over and gives him, you are going to be the one who leads my people out of exile. All right, so... Moses, naturally, then the next question would be, well, who in the world is going to give me that authority? How, when I walk in and speak to Pharaoh, how, how, you know, I can't speak on my behalf. And here's where we get the first kind of name of God that he puts out there. But it's a little obscure for me. He says, well, you tell him, I am who I am sent you. All right, I am who I am. In essence, it means I am the all-sufficient one. I'm the all-sufficient one. Go ahead, go, go tell him that. Well, obviously, it was enough because Moses goes, he speaks to Pharaoh, right? We go through the litany of the 10 plagues, and then he leads at, on the 430th, at the end of 430 years, Moses leads them out. Now we go follow Israel through a process, um, and, it's, and it's, a, it's, it's not a great process, uh, there are ups and downs. And, and Moses goes on Mount Sinai, he receives the law from the Lord the, on, on, the, on the tablets, um, I can still see the picture of my kid's Bible, him coming down off the mountain and breaking them. Um, why? Because they had, they had rebelled already. He'd been up there 40 days. They thought they were on their own. Uh, in the words of Aaron, uh, his, uh, the priest, it was, well, they, we threw all this gold in the fire and out pops this calf. All right? And so, um, but when, when, when Moses returns back up Mount Sinai, okay, now First of all, the reason why God gives the law and gave the Ten Commandments, they're, they're about to go into an area that wasn't theirs. Cities they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant, um, and these were these were uh, pagan nations. I mean, they worshiped all these other gods, and God was basically saying, this is how you stay connected to me. This is, this is how you do this, all right? So he goes back up. He gets He gets another set, if you will, but listen to how... This is, God describes himself at Exodus 34, 5, and 6. It says, then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. Okay, so God is proclaiming his name. So here's the second time God is proclaiming his name in scripture. It said, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. When, when you read about God's name, in God's name, God's name carries authority. There's weight in God's name. What are we, we're referring to the character and the essence of God. He's, it's not just saying, my name's Charlie, right? There's a lot behind Charlie than just Charlie, right? And so, so, so God is now kind of fleshing out, if you will, he's fleshing out who he is, who, what his character is, what his essence is, and his name. Lord, Lord, and here comes this description, even though it's encompassed in Lord, Lord, he's breaking it out so that we would all understand, and one of the things about his name he says is abounding in love and faithfulness. Now, love and faithfulness in Hebrew, both words are very small, hesed and met, and the reason why I'm giving you Hebrew words um, is I want to show you how smart I am, Um, like, like not okay but it's because the, these are little these are little words that carry unbelievable amount of weight hesed is the unfailing love the unfailing loyal and devoted love unfailing unfailing which means no, no matter how many times I fail him he is unfailing the love that we end up sharing with people is, is reciprocal love. It's conditional. Well, don't talk to me right now. I'm, I love you, but I don't really like you right now. And that, the God doesn't have that language. It's an unfailing love. It's no matter how many times you fail me, I don't fail you, love. Loyal love. This is Gene and I. This is I think this is probably our number one character trait of Gene and I is loyalty. We are the phrase is loyal to a fault. What does that mean? It means when someone um, doesn't deserve your loyalty, you do it anyway. Um, Now it doesn't mean that when you're loyal, you can't tell them they're still being an idiot. It just means you don't send it in an email. (laughs) You, You tell them face to face they're being an idiot. So even when you get all the ins and outs of scripture, all through the Old Testament, and God being angry at Israel for their rebellion, he's loyal. He doesn't change. He sticks. It's a devoted love. It's tied to then when we get to the met his met is god's reliable it's almost like it's 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 stacking words that mean the same thing reliable trustworthiness it means god's trustworthy and his trustworthiness is always reliable this is the core of who god is the, when he talks about himself this is what he says about himself. He is loving and faithful. And then later in that verse 34 or that chapter 34 passage it says verse 29 when Moses came down from mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands He was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. Did you notice the proximity that he had with God on the mountain? It said that, that he was close to him, that he passed by him. There was a proximity that Moses had to God, and that proximity brought a physical change to Moses. That, in fact, when he came down from the mountain, he was asked, he was unaware of the radiance, he was asked, can you put something over your face? We can't look at you. You you are radiant because of your connection with God. The love and faithfulness of God, when we are in proximity to him to take on the dust of his love and faithfulness, it has a reaction inside of us. It changes the way that we are seen, how we're received, how we engage other people, that they will see that dust because we've been in that proximity. You and I can't change ourselves into that. We can't just grit our teeth and make ourselves that, but we can receive the love and faithfulness of God at a level where we've breathed it in and it's changed how we're breathing out, that it's deep inside of our pores and it's changing our complexion. That is who God is. And when we're in proximity to him through Christ, then we can wear that dust, the dust of love, the dust of love and the dust of faithfulness. I don't know how I found this out. I don't know how I stumbled on it. But there is an exact center of our Bibles, an exact center based on chapters, okay? So the original rise didn't write in chapter and verse. Chapter and verse was added by editors to make it easier for us to find, okay? But there is a a smack dab in the middle center chapter of your Bible. Find it. It's chapter 595. Start counting. Turn to Psalm 117. If you brought a Bible with you, open up Psalm 117 because I want you to mark in it. I want you to mark this is the exact center of my Bible. Now, here's what I find super, I don't know if you call it ironic. Is God really ironic? I mean, it's just our impression. That in the very center of the Bible, I would hope to find something that was central to the scripture, that was something central to God Himself. Okay? Here is Psalm 117. It's only two verses. Praise the Lord. All you nations, extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love towards us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. I think it's like 61 times or something in Psalms. I don't know, it's crazy. And then Psalm 119 and Psalm 139, it's all over the place. His love endures forever. His love endures. At the very center of our Bible, chapter 595, the psalmist proclaims the love and faithfulness of God. Can something be more central to who he is? So Jesus arrives on the scene. He is the dust in the flesh. (laughs) He arrives in scene. But you know, he lives in obscurity for the first 30 years of his life. We have have plenty of account of his birth. We get one little snippet when he went to the temple when he was a middle schooler. (laughs) Um, And we get nothing until his baptism okay? So in his baptism, he is not baptized because he is sinful. He's, baptized, he's being baptized because he's following the will of his Father. It is, in fact, what he's doing is he's setting an example for us. He's becoming sin for us. And literally, Paul says that when we, when we are baptized, we are buried in Christ, and we are raised with him, okay? And so when Jesus does this, uh, Says so the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, and then speaks, "This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased because he is he is now following he is following the path that I laid out for him." Then he immediately is taken by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights for a fast in the desert. He comes out of that fast. He walks right into a temple. He opens the scroll. He's handed the scroll. It's open to Isaiah. And he proclaims that he is the one who's come to take away the sin of the world. And he says, today, um, this is fulfilled in your hearing. What? And then people are attracted to Jesus like crazy. I mean, like they won't leave him alone. He can't find a spare moment in a day. First 30 years of his life, he's just building furniture with his dad right, no big deal, that he gets baptized, he spends time with the Father, and then you can't get people away from him. What happened? Isaiah even says that he was I mean, here's, here's Isaiah's description of who Jesus was. Isaiah 53, 2 and 3. Now I get it's prophecy and it's thousands of years before Christ, but he says he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing is in appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. And then he spends 40 days with his father and things change. Now listen. He's fully God. He's fully man. He never ceased to be fully God and fully man from the incarnation on. Okay, I get it. We can have those conversations. But I'm telling you, something's still different after that time with his father. It's different. I believe it's a download. I believe God gives him. This is what's going to happen. There's so many things happen, but I'm just telling you, Jesus is changed. When you read through the Gospels on how Jesus interacts with people, here's kind of my take on it. He makes everyone who comes to him feel safe. Where in other contexts, other contexts they're on, they're on the outside. Isn't it amazing how many times we'll read in the Gospels of Jesus sitting with someone who is an outsider of culture? Why would they stay? Why would they come? There was a sense that Jesus gave off that you're okay with me. You're okay with me. People felt known that the stuff that everybody else defined them by was not the things in which he was defining them. Right? You can even when you read when you read in the Gospels, a, a leper, a prostitute, someone with an issue of blood, um, lame, um, deaf, demon possessed. What are all those things? All those things are outside, outward, outward connections with the world around them. And that's so that's how they were described and defined. And yet, and yet Jesus knew the person behind the lameness, beyond the prostitution. He knows the person beyond the illness. The things that they had grown up defining them wasn't what defined them with Jesus. They were known. But they weren't just known, they were were loved, which means they were embraced. It wasn't just, well, I know there's more to you than that. They were received. Jesus imparted himself to them with every single person that he comes in contact with. This This is the dust of what happens when we allow the love and the faithfulness of God to seep down inside of us, that how we then interact with other people is through the same love and faithfulness. I can't can't be that loving and faithful on my own. But the more I'm changed by the dust of God, the dust of Christ, the more that I interact with that same dust. How important is it? Jesus, when he was challenged, and he was continually challenged by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, experts in the law, because they kept wanting him to somehow um, uh, disqualify himself from all the following that he had. And on one particular occasion, the trick was to ask him what was the most important of the, um, uh, of the commandments right? So, well, okay, if you pick out one that's most important, that means there's one that's what? Least important, which means there are some things God says that's more important than other things. You, you see the inherent trap here. Tell me what's the most important. Jesus' answer, love the Lord your God while your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as your And then he ends with saying, all, all of the law and prophets hang on those two. Which means then, when I've received the love and faithfulness of God, and I return that love and faithfulness to him, enables me then to love and turn that to others. And when I do that, I've kept all the law. Or in my language, you're saying, I'm becoming like you. I'm becoming like who you have created me to be, a representation of who you are. That's how important this love and faithfulness is that all of the the law and prophets, which believe me, there was a bunch, would hang on those two particular phrases. Um, The word he uses there, agape, is carries the same for love, carries the same weight as the Hebrew word, it's a whole self, unconditional love. That which, see, I'm able to love you not because I know you, but because I've received the love of God. You receiving my love is, is, is nearly insignificant as receiving the love of God through me. And that works for every relationship. Your, your love for someone is, is superseded by receiving the love of God and giving Him, giving them that love. That's the love that's transformative. I've always been amazed that Jesus, the the, the twelve disciples, that apostles that Jesus chooses. I had, I had a scene out of chosen that we stripped out to show you, and we just. It, I couldn't show it at nine. I can't show it now for time either. But it's, it's, it's really, uh, I've, ta- I've, I've referenced, it, referenced it to you before. But it's when Jesus is about to send the 12 off to preach for him in his stead. Okay. And so he's telling them all they're going to do. And the way I love the way the chosen plays it out—it's um, it, uh, the emotional way it plays it out. So he's giving them instruction. You're gonna—you know—you're not gonna take an extra tunic with you. You're not taking any money. Just take your staff. You go to—you go to an area. I want you to preach and teach, and I want you to heal. And I'm giving you authority to do all this stuff. And one of the disciples says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, um, did I miss a ceremony or something? Like, was there supposed to be something special that I was gonna walk through for this? And then." And Jesus, no, you haven't missed anything. Another guy says, well, look, I just kind of joined recently, and I've only heard you preach once. And, um, and, um, and it was the Sermon on the Mount they was referring to. And so one other disciple says, you got the best one. No offense, Jesus, you got the best one, right? And so, uh, like, they had spent, like, just three years or so with Jesus. like Like, you can't even earn a bachelor's degree in three years hardly, right? And, and, and he's given all this stuff, and we're they, and like, are you su- sure you chose the right ones? We're not qualified, right? And he's saying, I know you're not qualified. You would have never qualified. I didn't go looking for the qualified. I didn't go looking for the degrees. I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you. You have worn my dust for three years. Go share some of that dust with other people. Whatever dust you got, share that dust. And then we see, we track the disciples through the book of Acts and how transformative 12, 120 were that said, I, I don't have everything, but what I got, you can have. I haven't been completely transformed yet, but I, I, I am different. I am not the same guy, I am not the same one. and you can have that dust. It, it's, it's transformative. Jesus kicked up dust everywhere he went, and some people rejected that dust, And some people accepted that dust. Here's the impact of God's love and faithfulness on your life if you will settle in and let it settle into you. It soaks through the rough exterior you've created to protect yourself from being hurt. I can say it soaks through the rough exterior I have created to protect myself. It heals old wounds of rejection. When you allow the love and faithfulness of God to seep deeper into you. Those wounds that you're carrying of others that have rejected you, it becomes, it gets healed. It changes how we see ourselves reversing years of negative self-worth. Do you know why you pay attention to that voice in your head talking about your negative self-worth, how, neg- how, how shameful you are or how bad you are is because it sounds like your voice. It's not your voice. It's not your voice when you let the love and faithfulness of God deep inside of you, it reverses years, decades, of seeing yourself in a different light. It infuses you with purpose as you become keenly aware of others' need for his love and faithfulness. You know this, right? If love and faithfulness is transformative to you and me, this is what what people need. They need the love and faithfulness of God. And God's plan has always been: as we're transformed by that, we get that dust on other people. When we get covered by the dust and the of the love and faithfulness of God, we become this. We become more soft and less hard. And when I was walking through these, well, I'm gonna go through them, and then I'll just, more we get more soft, less hard, more secure, less defensive, more bold, less afraid more outward focus, less internally obsessed. So what that tells me then, in the areas of my life where I'm still hard, those are areas of my life, the dust, it hasn't settled deep enough yet around the love and faithfulness of God. And it almost helps me direct it where I'm still hard. Father, this is where I need your love and faithfulness to to soak in, where I'm defensive. This is areas where I have not let the love and faithfulness of God soak in, where I am afraid. I have not allowed the the love and faithfulness of God to soak in when I am more internally focused on what's going on with me and less concerned about what's going on with them. I need to let the love and faithfulness of God soak in. We're all going to wear someone's dust. Whose dust are we gonna wear? Culture, right, is always the app running in the background, always. Always. The word and ways of God are what counteracts culture. It is culture's fact check. It's a a proverb. I think it's um, 1718 or 1817. It says the first to present their case seems correct until it's cross-examined. This is what cross-examines it. Living in the ways of God, not just the word of God, the ways of God, me living in those ways counters the arguments of God. You make an eternal decision, intentional decision to sit in his word and follow his ways. I like, this, I like, I like it, saying it this way. I want to look for his dust and I want to stay in it. Surrender to the natural process of the Holy Spirit, to Holy Spirit and power dust. Become his dust and carry it. This is the last thing I want to share. It's interesting in Proverbs. Um, Proverbs is written by Solomon. It's, a, it's, a, it's a wisdom it's a book of wisdom literature. and I find it fascinating that Solomon would use these words in Proverbs three. He's, he's making the case he's making the case for the reader to chase after the wisdom of God, Okay, chase after God. in that. He says this. "My son." Do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Verse 3. Let. Let would mean allow, sit in. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Here's the interesting thing to me, and I'll break it down in a second. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, in all of your manners, submit to him, and then he does what? He makes your path straight. Now here's what's interesting. When the law was given to Moses, God told Moses to tell the people to wear it, to wear it on their head and bind it on their wrist, so that every generation would know. Okay, so what, what were they binding? I mean, the, the Torah writ, written almost like, like you go to Gatlinburg and you get your name on some rice. It's, it's, a, it's a bad joke and a bad time for it. But, but my point being, it was, it was like that condensed, that small, and they were to wear it, not like they could, could open up and read it. It was a reminder, it was a reminder that this is what's going to keep us when we enter this other land. This is what's going to preserve our heritage. This is what we're going to pass down. This is what's going to keep you following me and not following other gods and other traditions and other things that pop up. You're going to another place that's different than what I have for you, but I'm giving you this land, but the customs of the people of this land, this will take you off script. But if you will bind these together, you will stay firm and you will pass this from generation to generation. And isn't it fascinating, it's fascinating to me at least, that Solomon talks about that same binding language, but he then turns the attention to love and faithfulness. Bind these to yourself. Bind the love and faithfulness of God. Don't let anything, any circumstance or any person take those off of you. This is what defines us as his children because this is what defines him. And he defined himself that way. Love and faithfulness. Never-ending compassion. These are, this is his name. His name. His way. This is the dust that we are to wear because it is transformative dust. The more you believe in the love and faithfulness of God for you, the more you're able to interact with people with that same love and faithfulness. And this has always been his plan. Always. No plan B. His plan A was for us to wear his dust. And for other people, when they bump into us, they get dusty. I don't, know any, I don't know any different how to close out this message than I did at 9 o'clock. So this is what I told them. I don't know what you specifically are to do with this one. A lot of times I'll sit up and tell you this, 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 this. I've been dependent on the Holy Spirit that he has already been telling you what to do with this one. Communion is always available on the left and right. This side of the altar is for you to come if you just want to spend a moment with the Lord alone. This is where you want someone to pray with you on this side of the altar. I do want to just say that God wants you to understand today as best as you can that his love is unfailing towards you. It's unfailing. He is loyal towards you. He is trustworthy towards you. Years ago, I think I preached the message and I, I told you that, that we actually can know God. You can actually know God. God is knowable. You can know God. But we will never know all there is to know about God. But you know enough about God for you to make your next move. God's knowable. You will never know all there is to know about God, but you know know enough about God right now to make decisions for him. Stand, please. Father, I have have felt your love and faithfulness today at um, at 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 a tangible level. It's been palatable. And, Lord, I know the harder that we are, there's runoff. it, it It doesn't soak or seep very much. But, Lord, I believed in this moment, Lord, that your love and faithfulness has begun to seep into some folks, Lord, that are hard. Life has been hard. Things have been hard. People have been hard. They've been hard on themselves hard. But when we're in your presence, Lord, there is is something about your love and faithfulness that begins to soften and seep in. Lord, we carry hurts that can only be healed by your love and faithfulness. We carry impressions of ourselves that can only be counteracted by the truth of of how you created us and see us and want relationship with us. Lord, all these things, Lord, I ask in this moment of time, Lord, that you would do what only you can do. Lord, you would do that kind of healing, deep work. I believe it's possible. I don't believe there's anything someone could walk in this room today that your love and faithfulness can't change. Lord, do it and start it in this moment that we have here in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let me encourage you, don't just, just don't sit in something. Do something with what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life right now. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.